And now, weighing in out of the blue corner, Josh the Pong Thompson. 100%. And on the other mic, he weighs in from the red corner, Big John McCarthy. Boom is what we had when you talk about the heavyweight championship changing hands and Francis Ngannou knocks out Stipe Miocic. We are the Weighing In Podcast. It is the real punk. Josh Thompson, podcast name on the controls, and me, John McCarthy, bringing you our views of the world of combat sports and everything that is happening within it. And we had a huge, big-time fight tonight, the heavyweight championship of the UFC, changing hands, Stipe Miocic, getting knocked out by the, the predator, the man, the myth, the guy with the bombs in his hands, and he proved us all wrong. He was going to get it done. He fought smart. He fought controlled. Josh, what did you think of Nagano's performance? I think all you Stipe fans should freaking hate me because I should have kept my hate for him going. <laughs> he was winning. As soon as I went the Stipe way, he gets knocked you out. Put the schlep rock on him, man. Man, look, I got to say tonight, honestly, when it came down to breaking down the commentary, DC finally did his job correctly. Okay, and DC said the worst thing that could have happened was he landed that shot against Nganu while he was still rocked, thinking he could go that he had rocked Nganu, could have went after him. It was the worst thing that could have happened. DC, you finally did a good job tonight. In all the years of <laughs> you finally did it. Now I'm just poking fun. I thought it was um, I thought it was a fun fight, man. And all the questions that we needed answered by Nganu were answered. Now, can he do that same thing to John Jones? That's another question. That's another specimen. That's another fight. That's another whole situation. But uh, overall, I thought he fought extremely well. Once he got composed, <clears throat> once you could see his composure after he landed those first couple shots, was able to sit Stipe to his butt against the fence, and then he circled around, I was like, are you That was the difference. I was like, no, no, don't circle around. Get away, get away. <laughs> no, 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 no. I was like, as soon as he, when he stuffed the head and then all of a sudden he's sprawling back and I'm watching, I'm saying, don't let your toes go. And he's sliding back. And then all of a sudden when he turned that corner and came around and went, uh-oh, this is a different fight. Yeah. And it, that was, uh, you could tell. And this, you know, my hat's off to Eric Nipsick and all the guys at Extreme Control that work with him. Tim Johnson, who wrestles with him all the time there. And, you know, Kamara Usman coming in and helping him out. And so he did his homework. He did the things to make himself better. He proved that in the fight. He showed, I can stop that takedown. And he did. And it was a difference maker because if you're thinking about that first round, you know, Stipe landed a, uh, some very nice inside leg kicks, a couple, you know, on that calf kick a little bit, but it was not the kind of offense that he needed to at least make Ningano feel pressured and have to kind of feel a little bit out of his comfort zone. He was comfortable. He was calm. He was fighting at his pace. And that's why he looks so good. I think fighters. Okay. Look, I think fighters. Okay. Look, <laughs> I'm trying to put this in a way that and I'm not, I'm not, I'm not bashing on him. Cause I know a lot of fighters. I'm included. One of them is that sometimes our egos get in the way. And if you go back and you watch Kane Velasquez and Junior Dos Santos too, Kane is literally on his knees chasing after submission or takedowns because he doesn't want to get hit. And it's very smart on his part. 
And that eventually led to a clinch that eventually led to, you know, pressing him in the fence and doing work and doing getting damaged and slowing junior down. And I think that should have been somewhat of the game plan for, for Stipe. There was never a moment like sure. He shot, got in deep on the leg, but even when, if you don't get it, don't hang out there, come back up to the body. I know it's easier said than done guys. I'm really, I'm honestly, when I'm talking like this, I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to tear him down at all. I'm not. He's obviously to me, I don't think he's the greatest of all time in heavyweights. He's number no. two. I think Fedor was number one, given all of Fedor's accolades throughout for years and years of being undefeated. But don't get me wrong. I think he's number two. And then uh, I would put Kane number three. He just got plagued by injuries and that's not a Homer business there, you know, and probably DC right below that maybe. Um, but you could get into the mix, but look, but I say Stipe is right there. Um, he, I just thought tonight he needed to focus a lot more on the wrestling and not, not so much on the feet. I understand you've got to sell the takedown to get in deep on the takedowns. And it, what he, he, he wasn't able to sell. You've got to sell the striking. Sorry. Yeah. You got it. You got to throw, you got to throw. And that's why his corner even told him in the middle yeah. of the you've I need more out, more output out of you. Yeah. I need you to, to at least faint and throw more to make it, look more realistic like we're gonna we're gonna stand up and fight but you gotta wrestle too i just need more out of you and he came out doing that a little bit but he got clipped and he got sat to his butt and it was it didn't look good man it didn't look good for real and then like i like i said i go back to, to dc he said it was the worst situation that could have happened to him happened to him where he hit him with a nice clean shot and had it looked like in ghana was rocked a little bit or at least stopped him in his tracks and he was still rocked himself and so any shot, and, and I speak from experience, you get hit and you're rocked and you get hit again right after it's out, it's over. You know, it doesn't take many. It's one, two, boom, done. And, um, and that's what happened to him. He thought he had, he thought he had enough. He thought he got him. Boom. He hit him with a nice shot and got him stopped in his tracks. Stepped still, in, little sharp, little left hook. And it was over. It's still, it's a mistake of the guys that are real competitors if you're a trainer, if you're a referee, what you're looking for when a guy gets hurt is not for him to set his feet and start throwing back. That's, that's usually a recipe for disaster. What you're looking for with it, when a guy gets hurt, he either breaks away and starts to circle out and gains distance and makes his opponent start to come after him. And he, he's on that horse and he's just, time is starting to crank around as he's going around that ring or that cage, that's what you want to see because that's going to give them time to kind of recover. The other thing you want to see is, hey, even if it's in boxing, I want to see you grab and hold. I want to see you clinch up. If you clinch up, you're going to crush that space. The ability for someone to seriously hurt you with a big shot is going to be just, I mean, greatly limited. There's You can't, especially in MMA, you can still get it, not so much in boxing, but in boxing, they're going to separate you. But just that clinch will buy enough time for you to kind of gain those senses back. The last thing you want to see, the thing you really don't is, I don't want to see you set your feet and start to throw. And that's what Stipe did when you know he came up off of the fence because he took a lot of shots with that left hand. Some of them were hard. And he comes up and he gets hit. And then he steps back and he throws that. And I... It didn't hurt Francis. I think Francis was kind of moving that way, kind of so it kind of moved him a little bit. And when Francis came back with that left hook, ooh man, that was bad. Yeah, I thought but it was over. Happens. 
I thought it was over when when Francis circled around and got to his back and sort of landed on that ground and pound because Stipe had his hand down and the shots were kind of coming up underneath the guard and over the in the first round. First round when he was able yeah. to circle to his back when Stipe was on all fours. And Steve was able to get back to his feet, and he kind of covered and was able to block some of them as he came mm -hmm. to him. Coming up under. But, I mean, we saw that a little bit, like when you look at, like, Nemkov or Ryan Bader. If you don't block those, it's over. You don't see them. Yeah, you don't see them. You got kind of your back turned to them a little bit. And so when you look at fights like that, it, it was a recipe for disaster. But he was able to survive, and he got through it. And I was like, oh, wow, he's still in this. And... um Overall, though, I mean, it was a very dominant performance by Nganu. What I did notice, and then what in the broadcast team kind of uh, recognized it as well, he was a lot more calm and composed. And that right there is a recipe for success because you can't let yourself get so over anxious that you smother everything, you blow your wind, you blow your wad, whatever you want to call it, you blow it all out, and then you got nothing. Your arms feel like just lead. You know, They're tree trunks on top of your shoulders, hold, trying to hold your fist up, you know, and so and he, he was able to he was able to weather the storm on. He was able to just stay composed and land clean, shot hard shots. And he fought a very, very smart fight. Very smart. He I did. Was, I was expecting him to go a little bit more to those calf kicks, too, because he had landed two of them. And I was like, ooh, you could tell that they hurt. Steve, it was looking like, ooh, it was knocking him off the balance a tiny bit. It was like swinging a telephone pole with his leg. <laughs> God, brutal man just brutal but overall we got ourselves a new heavyweight champion in the ufc and uh it's i let's just talk about the future the future is this john jones show me the money i think john jones would have taken a little bit less money to fight steep it <laughs> like show me the money yeah. like, oh, hey that's okay that you know he can do that and that's you look and you go, hey, to fight that guy? Yeah, I don't, you want to get paid. And I think John Jones should get paid. That's a huge, it's a huge fight with the guy that is this monster knockout artist against the guy that we all say is the most talented fighter, probably the, you know, the best we've ever seen in the sport of MMA. You know, he's undefeated actually, other than a disqualification loss. So he's a... This is the fight people want to see. I don't blame them. You know, pay him well, the money. It comes down to, I, I understood that he would probably, if you're fighting someone like Stipe, right? And then you go up in weight class and you beat who is considered to be the greatest heavyweight, I think, in the UFC history. It would make sense for him to go there and be like, hey, yeah, sure, I'll fight him, you know, for obviously a bump and pay, you know? Um, but now you're fighting a guy that, He's nasty dangerous. He's proven tonight that he's he's gotten a lot better since the first time that they fought. Um, John Jones, to me, is just a different animal than Stipe, and I'm not taking a jab at Stipe. It's just athletically is a different animal. Don't get me wrong. Stipe is an athlete. He's proven that time and time again. He's proven me wrong, and me saying he's not an athlete like DC. Okay, but <clears throat> he's an athlete. There's no doubt. You don't become the UFC. Oh, no, exactly. Becoming an athlete. So, um I can admit, you guys, I was being a homer when it came to the DC stuff, okay? And I will continue <laughs> that way towards people I have trained with in the past. Um, but when it comes down to John Jones and the Francis Ngannou fight, I think John has John has a very high fight IQ. He finds ways to win. He's proven that time and time again. He His body style and his length definitely 
works to his advantage. I think he is what six five, six four, four. Okay, so he's an inch taller than Francis. No, same same size. Are they well, all three six three tonight? All through six four. Four. Okay, so six four. All right, so they're all six four. Thickness, size, all that stuff obviously go to Francis, but athleticism I think was going to go to probably John. You know the style of which he fights. That front thigh kick is going to be. It's going to come into effect that night. That little front knee thigh kick, it's gonna it's gonna keep Francis kind of at bay. Cause here's the thing. When when uh Stipe threw some kicks tonight and when he threw a couple little things off, he fainted. Francis sometimes got a little like slippery off on, balance. Off balance. Yeah. John's gonna take that to his advantage. Mm-hmm. Uh I say he's gonna get him down off of that, but I'm saying there will be some advantages there. And that little front thigh kick is gonna lead to to making him off balance some more. That opens up a lot of the other striking. Um but it, it, it will become one of the more higher paid, I think, uh, UFC events, especially for the year. Maybe, I don't want to say all time, but it'll be, it will be one of the, the most highest paid pay-per-views. <clears throat> John coming up and wait, but can they get the deal done? Because if I'm John, I'm like, you want me to fight that fucking monster? Like, you know what I mean? It's, and I'm just being real. And he's got one win. Is the, He's got one. He, he's, this will be his first title defense as me. If it, was, if it was Stipe, it's like, if I beat this guy, I'm now the go to heavyweight. You know, is what he's saying for the UFC. I'm now the greatest heavyweight uh, fighter in UFC history. That, that's what John was looking at. Like, if I fight Stipe, I'm going to be now considered like, oh, I just beat the greatest heavyweight in UFC history. So now I'm that guy, you know, and it's it's, it's going to be hard to say like, oh, well, I get it. You know, you're, you're John Jones. You already did everything at 205. So I'm excited to see the fight, though, if they can get the contract done. Otherwise, we're going to see Stipe and Gano 3. I'm not too sure, you know, and it's uh, unfortunately, and it just, I don't know why, but it seems based upon just the, the personality of Stipe and he's a fantastic guy. I love him, but the UFC doesn't look at him as that needle mover. And so they want a needle mover in that spot, you know, and you look and you go, eh, Francis Ngano, he's a needle mover because people want to watch a guy. He, you know, it's got that that Mike Tyson like power that could put someone out in you know just one shot it's over so they've got a guy now in that spot he's kind of a needle mover do you want to put the guy back in that you don't think is the needle mover I don't know I don't think they do I think they're gonna that first off they got fans coming back come going to Jacksonville they're gonna then go to Houston and you could put John Jones and Ngano together in a half year and make a fortune on it, pay them what they deserve, pay John what he deserves. And he deserves a hell of a payday for everything that he's done in the past and to step up, you know, into that fight. But that fight's not going to be an easy fight for John. John. If John has shown one thing, it's guys that are long, have range, they give him problems. If there's anybody that does give him problems, they slow down what he does. So... Here's a guy that not only is long, has range, he's also got a freaking tomahawk missile in that right hand or the left hand, and he could put out your lights at any moment. So yeah. this is a this is a big this is a big one for John. Yeah, he's he tends to have problems with people who have just as long a reach as him, mm-hmm. and he thinks because over the years he's been able to just like I said play Big Brother where he just puts his palm on your head and holds you at bay like. Yep. For- Fighting DC was probably one of the easier fights because DC is only 5'11, maybe 5'10. 
He could just hold him. I say, I say you just gave him inches. Let's be honest. Like five, five and a half or something. And D's my boy, but let's not give him about five, ten. Okay, but like you know, John could just put his hand on his head and just hold him there and hit him. He had problems with Gus. He had problems with Dominic Reyes. He had problems with guys that were bigger, longer, and that new generation of guys that were coming up are bigger and longer, you know. And so Francis Ngannou is that guy who he could, I guess you could say, I don't want to say unseed, uh, unseed him, but I mean could really, really give him that uh, that real O or that real one on his O. Oh yeah, he could take away that that take away that 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 invincibility. Yeah, the invincibility thing that people have been talking about. But people have been talking about the fact that he hasn't looked good. He hasn't looked good in his last three or four fights. And he's been more hittable. And he just seems like he's been skating through. Now, I I may contribute that to a little bit of motivation. You know, there hasn't been a whole lot of motivation for him to fight those guys. It's rough. I already went through this bracket three times. I fought, you know, DC three times, whatever. It's like, okay, I've been through this. All right. I'm done. I'm done beating everybody. There's a whole new crop coming up. Let's move on. Let's do something else. And I think, I think what he saw was there's a lot of guys um, that have won two championships that are champ champs and him being considered one of the best in UFC history and the, and being considered probably the most talented in UFC history. He only has one strap. You know, he's only had, and that's the thing. So for him to do it, he'd have to go down to 85, which I don't think he could have done. For him to go up to heavyweight, he had to pick the right time. And I think his lack of motivation at 205 uh, started to come through. And he's like, look, what do I got to do to get myself back on this thing? You know, to feel like I wanted to make that run at 205, let me go up to heavyweight. I think the perfect timing was this time. I don't know about against Ngannou, but it would have probably made it a lot a lot better for him in terms of the abilities, but Ngannou is just scary. Like he, it doesn't matter. He has, even if he has a bad day and he just fucking the wind blows by your chin, you're going down. Dude, if, if When he swings and misses, you could get hurt. Yeah. yeah especially if it was me, I'd fucking die. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Uh, uh, I don't know, John, what do you think? Do you think, do you think, I mean, I think they get the deal done. I, I think if but here's here's where I think Stipe lost it when he became champion. There was like this thing where and I talked about this like years ago. And this is kind of what turned me off with Stipe back then is that he kind of got into this um, this little bit of a weird vibe where it was like, I think he wanted there was a fight he wanted. Uh, I don't know. He was talking about some fight. I think it was with Brock, maybe way back. Yeah. But, yeah, and then that didn't come to fruition, and he kind of sat out for a while, and then he fought, and then you know he fought DC and he lost, but he was like he was kind of like demanding respect at the time, like you know I'm the champion, this and that, and and it just it's <clears throat> it kind of comes across a little bit whiny, and I think people got turned off by that, and it led into you know when he lost to DC and then <clears throat> excuse me, and then DC going on the Brock tangent also. You know, and and then, you know, him being on the sideline forever, waiting around, waiting around instead of taking another fight. Everyone's like, well, now you're being whiny about that, too. Why don't you fight somebody else if you want to if you want to stay active and make money? And he didn't want to fight somebody else. And so there was a lot of little things in there, I think, that kind of like turn people off. And then that affects the needle moving. And so it just becomes and then the heavyweight division was locked up so long with Brock's coming back. Brock's not coming back. And 
And then just the excitement was starting to kind of fall apart. You know, we have who's, ex who's excited about Brock coming back. Come on. Who? <laughs> DC. DC was excited because he's like, cha-ching, that's a good payday for me. But it was excited too about possibly fighting him. You know, but I mean, the only person I know that's excited about it is this knucklehead over here, pocket. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah. Anyways, um, I think that's a little bit of the needle moving thing, and I can see it. What is he? Thirty-seven, thirty-eight now, Stipe. I think he's thirty-eight years old. Yep. I don't see them giving an automatic rematch. But I don't if either. The deal John, done with John Jones. I don't really know. Do they go with? Do they go with Derek Lewis, knowing what happened in the first fight? They're going to try to stay away from that for as long as they can. That's the only thing. Like, what, what are you going to do? No one wants to put a fight back together that was horrible. That's the only people there, though. You have Cyril gone. You've got Derek Lewis. Curtis Blade just got knocked out. That's mm -hmm. it. Volkov, didn't he just get knocked out, too? No, he won. Oh, who did he fight? can't remember. Anyways, and then Rosen Structors had probably the second worst fight ever in history against Cyril Gone. So how do, who do you give it to? It have to be Derek Lewis if it's not going to be Stipe. If they can't get the deal done with John Jones, it's going to get the they're going to get the that deal will get done. I think it will. I don't I honestly don't think it's going to be that hard of a problem. Hold your your words to that, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> I hope Look. they do. I hope they do. So where does where does Stipe go from here? That's a good question. What does he want to do? You know, does he want to continue to to fight? Is that something that he wants? He's got nothing, you know, to prove, but he's got that competitor in him. Um, he could go and you know, he they'll give him fights. You know, you're talking about him against guys like Curtis Blades. You know, you put those two together now, you know, for that kind of fight. But uh, he's gonna have to win in my opinion, a couple of fights and then be put in that position where, well, yeah, now we'll do a trilogy fight if Mangano still has the title and something like that. But I, I just don't think they're going to give him uh, an automatic rematch. Well, we never saw him in Derek Lewis. You got to figure they didn't give him an automatic rematch even with Cormier. Uh, yeah, they did. No, they didn't. He, oh. fought, he fought Derek Lewis in between. between John, uh, what's his name did? But he didn't fight Derek Lewis. Steve, uh, Steve no. Lewis. Yeah, Daniel did. Daniel did, yeah. So I understand that. But but he couldn't fight, though, because of eye pokes? Uh, he had an eye injury, yeah. He had the eye injury. So I think that's why. Mr. Daniel Finger, Mr. <laughs> Three Stooges and shit. Mr. Three Stooges. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so, I mean, I, I guess we could realistically see Steve A versus Derek Lewis. To see who fights the winner, Francis and John Jones. You could. John wins. You can see Stipe and and uh, John, or you can see Derek Lewis and John. Yeah. You know. I just think the one thing that's the big difference here is for a two hundred and sixty pound guy, Francis and Gano is fast. He's got fast hands. He explodes. And <clears throat> John was not the fastest light heavyweight, but I think he'll look faster as a heavyweight. It's all dependent upon how he carries the weight when he first starts to go up. I don't know. Used to it. John, I saw him hitting mitts. I know it's just a video. I know it's just practice. We're talking about he looks slower. <laughs> See, that's what I'm telling you. know, slower. When you gain weight, usually you don't get faster. Yeah. You know, so I mean, here's it's, it's, it's a question. John, um, not John, but Steve was able to snatch that single up today pretty easily. 
You know, he was able to – if John gets that, I'm not saying that Stipe is not a good wrestler. I'm just saying that John's going to be able to snatch it quicker from further away and be able to pull on it. So that's going to break Ngannou's balance a little bit more. So what people need to understand, there's a difference between a grabbing the single or picking the single and then run it to a flare or a double. Yeah. And there's a difference between snatching the single and pulling it to break their balance and then running them again or sitting them to their butt. John's got the perfect style of he's so long, he can snatch it, pull it, break your balance, and then he, shake, he shakes that balance is yeah. what he does. Yeah. Exactly. So he does that to, to Ngannou. Those are not things that bigger guys are able to do. Like if, if, I, if I look at guys that I've trained with in the past, and even me being at 170 pounds, Paul Bonatello is probably one of the easiest guys I ever was able to take down. Just snatch and pull. No balance. No balance. Mike, Mike Kyle, snatch, pull. No balance. Those guys, no balance. Guys like Kane, guys like DC, obviously just their wrestling. You snatch on them, they're like, get out of here, son. But Ngannou has that, like you saw tonight, a couple little things. He was off balance a lot. John snatches that leg. I mean, it's you're not you don't want to be underneath him. Where Steve grabbed and was able to kind of like he was he got his head shoved down there by his waist, and Ngannou just covered his his head with his hips, flattened him out, sprawled out, toes down, you know, shoelaces down, and circled behind him. Beautiful job on the defense. But John Jones is not going to do that. He's going to grab and him being as tall as he is going to lift. He's going to try to get that leg up high. And so that helps break the balance as well. Most, one of the most common mistakes um, for people wrestling is they shoot. They keep their head down by the waist, especially in MMA. It's just horrible. They shoot. They keep their heads down by the leg and they just get sprawled on or they get they covered. Their, their head gets covered with the hips yep. broken down. That's what we saw tonight. John Jones is someone who snatches, lifts, and he knows he's normally taller than people, you know, or longer than people. So he lifts and tries to get it up as high as he can, takes you down because you most heavyweights are not that flexible. But John does do the same thing that Stipe does at times is he bends over at the waist instead of keeping his back as straight as we want. We want a straight back and we change levels and come in. Many times you'll see him reach and he'll bend his bend at the waist. And if you bend at the waist and you're trying to lift, a 263-pound guy, it's a different story. Yeah, he's got a snatch, pull, and lift at the same yeah. time. So he snatch, pull, so he breaks the balance, and then he lifts. That'll put him on his butt. or shoot yeah. on his butt. <clears throat> um, But I guess I mean, this is, yes, guess what? This is why we have this fucking show is to talk about shit. <laughs> and this is all the future because right now there's nothing planned. So Nothing, nothing at all. Even the UFC doesn't know where they're going exactly with it yet, so we'll find out. I just like to make a wish foundation stuff. All right. T Wood fought Vicente Luque. I got to tell you, I loved the way that T Wood came out in the fight. Thank you. I love the way he came out. Tyron, just to tell you, brother, man, you came out to fight. You came out to win. You, you know what? You, you shot a big shot at the beginning, went in for the takedown, didn't get it, but was wrestling. Like I said, I thought he needed to do to try to get a win here. And uh, it was just one of those, he he definitely hurt, he stunned Vicente, but he opened up and was wild. And Vicente shot that beautiful counter and hurt him. And boy, he was hurt. He yeah. was he was on stiff legs. It was trouble from that point. He was taking big shots and you know, got caught in the darts. But I loved the way that you came out and fought the fight, man. I, I don't know what's going to happen with him, but what I saw as far as what he was trying to do tonight was 
miles and miles ahead of what we've seen in his last couple of fights where he really wasn't being offensive. Yeah. All right. Well, let me correct you real quick. Okay. It's, it's what we, we said. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. We did say that. You're right. We. <laughs> Quotation marks around we. Um, around we. The word yes in French. Whatever, buddy. We, we. <laughs> um, look, if they cut him off of this, it'd be, it'd be ridiculous. This is the this is the this is the Tyron Woodley that I want to see. Yeah, the one that look, I felt like he, he fought. He fought. He rocked Vicente Luque. He he did some good stuff. I also agree with you that he left himself out of position because he was trying too hard. Yep. I thought he did everything right up until the point where he he got a little um a little wild, a little wild, a little anxious. Yep. Hit you with a clean shot. Let me come on. And then well, he saw the he saw win. Let's be honest. He, the, here's a guy that has lost, you know, his last, what, three or four fights. And I've got this guy hurt. Let me finish it. And he just went a little bit too far. Yeah. I mean, sorry. Excuse me. Yeah, I think that he did. He did everything I needed to see out of him. If I can see more of that. And I, I got to agree. Once again, I'm going to go back to the commentary team. Joe said it right. Like, he ran out of, he ran out of cage. What happened was he ran into the cage and he had a hard time getting out of that putting himself trying to escape that darsh from that position because the cage was in a way he could yeah, have could have done the four roll and tried to get out that way as well it just he kind of but you but you saw vicente lock up the leg yeah which was yeah. going to stop the roll no no what i'm saying is before that he could have rolled before that there was there yeah. was plenty of time for him to roll no, there was i understand what you're saying yeah and he and if you really want to try to avoid that you got to put that that left hand the free hand kind of next to the hip to try to keep him away from you yeah own. you got to keep him away push the hips away and he just didn't do it so i think he thought he had more room than he did because his head was cranked towards the center of the cage i don't know if he realized the fence was right there until it was like oh shit i'm circling this way and i'm bumping my butt's hitting the fence but if they cut him off this i'd be i'd be kind of upset about it because he actually showed tonight that hey i still have some fire left in me yep. i'm trying to make the improvements you know give me another go um he did everything i wanted to see he wrestled a little bit you know but like i like we but like mainly me. Okay. <laughs> oh, <laughs> but like I said, I said, is that the, the, the blueprint kind of had been written on how to beat him. Is that to press him against the fence, grind him down a little bit. And that's kind of, that seemed like what Vicente Luque was trying to do. And he didn't have a whole lot of success there. So that means that means T would, he knew that that's kind of what they probably wanted to do because he, they didn't have success really holding him against the fence either. They had a couple, you know, 30, 40 seconds in there where they were able to press him in the fence. Vicente Luque was putting his forehead under his chin and, and kind of trying to grind him out, make it grimy and dirty, slow him down, clinch, get his arms to fill up with blood, you know, all those things. That and all those things that two other teammates did with him. Uh, yeah, and now this is the third guy out of Sanford MMA that he's facing out of his last four. Yeah. And he turns, I think he said, I think he turns 39 in like a week or two. It's what I'm hearing. Yeah, two weeks. So, I mean, realistically, I hope they don't cut him off of this. Um, because I saw, I, if I'm a promoter, I'm going, okay, this is a kid that still has some fire. He still wants it. He's still, you know, that's, that's all I want to see. That's all, that's all I want to see, man. And, and, and I think he's a former champion. You don't cut him off that. You uh, give I hope him, not. Yeah. I mean, if we pull up, the, who's in the bracket right now? In that 170 pound bracket, who do we want to see him fight? One more over there, buddy. Yeah, good job. 
So he loses to Vicente Luque. He's going to drop probably down to number nine, I think. Maybe that Neil Magny, Damian Maya, or he's already beat Damian Maya. No, he's going he's gonna to go down to somewhere at 10. You think so? Even below yeah. Damian Maya? Because Damian Armour's an eight. He's already. Yeah. He's definitely not. He's at seven right now, and he's not going to stay ahead of Damian well, Maya. Damian Maya didn't lose. He bought, I mean, but Damian Maya hasn't fought, though, in a year. What last fought against? What was it? Uh, I want to say Gilbert. Yeah, Gilbert knocked him out over a year ago, I think. Was that his last one or was Ben his last one? I don't know. I can't even remember now. But it's a matter of if you look at everyone there, it's going to be tough for um, – Gilbert Burns, his last one. Yeah. I mean, that was what? When was the date? Uh, 2020 last year. Oh, 2020 last year? Yeah. So it's been about a year. So he's got one He's got one loss with a win right behind it with Askren and – Woodley's sitting at four losses in a row now. He's going to be behind Damian Maya. He's going to be, he, he will be no higher than 10 if he's that. Uh, you think so? Yeah. You have him fight. You have him fight uh, Neil Magny, maybe? No one wants to fight Neil Magny. No, I'm, I would never put him against Neil Magny if I want to give him a. Uh, Jeff Neal? Jeff Neal would be one you could do. Or, you know, uh, Li Jingling. Li Jingling. Mm-hmm. Can't even say it right. That would be one because if you're looking at it, you're saying, well, I can, if uh, Lee wins it, that's good for my international and my uh, Asian market. So I, I can understand why they would put that. Or you're giving, uh, you know, Tyron a chance at a guy that yeah, he's, he's good everywhere, but he's got some holes that you, you could think that could be exploited a little bit, but still a tough fight. John, do you think they just say, hey, you're the former champion? We're gonna put. We're gonna try to build our younger guy now. We did that with Vicente Luque. Now let's go, Sean. Oh, yeah. Sean Brady. Yeah. yeah. I I don't want to see Tyron fight Sean. I Brady. think they like Sean Brady. They do like Sean Brady. And there's a reason why. Yeah, yeah, but I'm saying like you, I could see them potentially doing something like that. Yeah. Um, but, Unfortunately, I think that would end up being five in a row. Oh. I'm just being honest. You know, it's Bobby Lawler in a in a rematch. That you could do. Yeah. Yeah. That yeah. would be one. Hmm. One of them back with a win. All right. What do you let's see. Let's see. Let's jump into Sean O'Malley. Oh, he looked good. I uh, you gotta love the way for I want the first thing I want to say before we do that though, Vicente Luque, we didn't talk about him at all. Oh man, I'm sorry. Okay, and god damn it, I love that guy. He is so good. He's tough. He's he's got a full game. He is technically just sound. He still has one of my favorite fights of all time when he fought uh, Brian Barberena. You remember that fight? I don't. Holy but Jesus! You want someone to watch MMA that has never watched it and having fun because people were asking us, you know, and it's off the top of your head. You're like, ah, this one, that one, but you forget ones. Vicente Luque versus Brian Barberena. What a fight that was. That was awesome. So he's got one of my favorite fights of all time. But he fought smart. He got hit. He composed himself. And when he was given the opportunity, nice job. He stepped out, brought the counter hand over, hurt him, and then finished him off. It's what you expect out of a you know a guy that's on the rise and is, you know, he could get to that point where he's he's dangerous for anyone. You know, he, his 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 stand-up is good, his ground is good. But he is mentally and physically just a tough, tough dude. 
I do remember this fight. God damn, it was a good fight. Where was it at? Uh, you know, it was on, I think it was the ESPN, the first one on ESPN. Um, fans. What's that? There's fans there? Oh, yeah, there were fans there at that one. That was, it was, that was a while ago. That was back. You know, we've been in lockdown for over a year, John. That was February of 2019. So okay. long before a lockdown. February 17th. February 17th of 2019. Yeah. I do remember the fight because the guy with the Mohawk. Yeah, well, Barberino was the guy that came in and beat Sage Northcutt, if you remember. Ah, I thought that was uh, Mickey Gall. No, he, Mickey Gall beat him after. Ah. Um, I want to say, I, I think I'm right there. I could be, I think I Mickey could, Gall could be stepping over. What's that? Mickey Gall was first. He beat him first. I don't know. I don't think so. We'll find out right now. He's making his return too. That Mickey guy. Gall and Brian. Oh, Barbarina, yeah, yeah, beat him first. Thank you very oh, much. God. The fucking brain of yours, man. Jesus. Sucks, doesn't it? He ain't still got a better brain than me. <laughs> <laughs> so disappointed. So disappointed. So disappointed. Oh, geez. Hey, uh, yeah. I got my COVID test back today. Says, yeah. So they're all still there. You're good. Hey, look at that, man. You're healthy. Yeah. I mean, you're still <laughs> so far out my nose. Can... Oh, dude, I know, man. What I was thinking, Jesus, man. Went back to doing that. I was like, oh, I remember this stuff. This is a lot of fun. They changed the bristle, man. The bristle is now like a really coarse, wiry one. Yeah. It tickles the shit out of me. And I'm like, it's horrible. Oh, oh. Yeah. Sneezing and coughing and sneezing and coughing. I'm like, and then they don't even wipe your nose, so you're like laughing bigger all day and night. No, no, I do it in my, <laughs> I do it in my house, so I just blow my nose. But uh, yeah, it's crazy, man. It's nuts. No uh, fun. But yeah, Vicente Luque looked good. He looked phenomenal. Stay composed. Stay relaxed. I loved, like I said, I loved what the blueprint was in terms of he started pressing T Wood to the fence, kind of hanging on him. Beautiful head position, man. He's digging, driving, just that making. Head- the head position, if you get your opponent to start looking up towards the lights, they can't. Or to the side. Yeah, they can't see what's going on down there. So you start throwing the knees. You start, you know, throwing the knees into the thighs, into the gut, you know, all those things. It's harder for them to see the elbows coming across the face, all those things. And that's what he was doing. And then on top of that, you know, with the overhangs, the constant pumbling, pressing into the fence, hanging on T. Wood. You know, it could have been a little bit to slow him down. But, I mean, that's kind of been the, the game plan, it seems like, for people that have fought T wood is to slow him down that way. Yeah. Well, overall, like I said, coming from, coming from where he, where he trains at, they kind of have a blueprint on T wood. So that's why I thought this might be a bad fight. for him. Who does he fight next? Vicente. Yeah. You know, that's a question I look and say, Vicente Luque should be fighting someone in the, in the realm of Michael Chiesa. You know, I think that would be a good fight for him. Uh, it would be interesting to see who would win that one. Uh, you could also even go up and, you know, yeah. ob- obviously, Masvidal would be out of the uh, equation. But I think he's fought uh, he's fought Leon Edwards before, didn't he? I believe he fought Leon Edwards. I think Leon Leon beat him once, but it was a good fight, and. Uh, so you could, you know, you could go all the way to that, but I think Michael Chiesa is about in the range that uh, that would be a fight for him. The argument is this. He lost to uh, Leon Edwards in 2017. Yeah. Leon Edwards lost to Kamaru Usman, I believe, in 2017. Mm-hmm. The argument could be 
Well, you want to fight against the champion. You lost. Oh, yeah. You give this guy a fight. Oh, he lost him in 2015. Jeez. Yeah. You know, I mean, like, the argument can be like, hey, beat this guy again. And we can, it's, he's obviously proven he's beaten a former champion. Beat him instead of beating Bilal. Beat him. And we'll, we'll give you, you're basically, you'll be next in line. I think that's a, that's a fair, that's a fair assessment there. What do you think? Unless you, unless you want to fight Steven Thompson. Fucking nobody wants to fight this guy. I don't want to fight Steven Thompson either. Some bitch is good and he's he's awkward. I don't want to fight him. He's just nice. He's a nice guy. Oh, he's the nicest guy in the world. But he's got that, you know, his his style is one that you know, you know that when you, you're training for someone, you're trying to mimic some of their tendencies. Some of the you're not trying to mimic them completely. You're never gonna get that, but you're trying to do something to mimic getting used to the way that they engage, the way that they create space the way that they attack it's hard to get anyone to, to do that like steven thompson so it's a tough it's a tough training camp for you to get ready for this guy because he's unique mm-hmm. yeah i would go vicente luque and leon should take that fight if they're gonna say hey you oh yeah title shot you're on the sideline anyways until after this fight for at least another six months Let's get you active in between. You know, your last fight wasn't obviously spectacular. So let's move on to something that where this guy is. He's ranked b- above Bilal Muhammad anyways. He just beat a former champion. It gives us it gives us a little bit of credentials now to say, hey, you beat him and we'll put you next in line. Because, they, you know, if Kamara wins, he's already beat the top guys. Colby, Gilbert, you know, Mazadal, Mazadal again. And then, you know, he hasn't fought Stephen Thompson. So he should fight Steven Thompson, but UFC doesn't have that on the register. <laughs> Not on the radar. All right, let's see. Sean O'Malley. Sean O'Malley, like I said, he looked good. You know, he just, he controlled the distance. I thought he did a beautiful job of his in and out and his ability to change stance the way he was. He didn't change his stance that much before. And now he's getting into that. He's really stepping back. So all of a sudden he's in a southpaw stance. He comes forward, throws something. All of a sudden he's in an orthodox stance. And he does it very smoothly. He's looking good. His balance is good. You know, like we said, his body type for that weight category, you know, you looked at Thomas Al- Thomas Almeida looks small mm-hmm. compared to O'Malley. And he was lunging in trying to close that gap on this long, lean guy who was just picking him apart. Uh, everything that O'Malley did, he looked great. You know, they talk about the, uh, you know, the first round, he hurt him, but he he made the mistake, and it was a mistake of, you know, kind of doing the walk-off. But this is where when people get mad then of what happened, we'll say, with Stipe and Francis Ngannou in that last shot. It's like, you can't blame the fighter. You can't blame Ngannou for going after him. The referee's got to stop him, and in that situation, Mark Smith was completely right in letting that fight go on. He did a good job because he sees when Almeida goes down, he first sees him starting to brace himself, and then he sees his hands go up, and he's looking at his opponent. You're not going to stop the fight. That was a good call, and it was the right call. But I thought that uh, overall, from that moment, Almeida had you know had his moments where he kind of tried to bring it back, but he was never in control of the fight. He was never the only time that he had O'Malley in any position was at the end of the round when he's on his back. And he was landing a couple of kicks, but there was never a time where he had O'Malley in trouble. 
Yeah, I would agree with you. Uh, I would agree. I thought he looked. Uh, I thought he looked good. I like the idea of him switching his stance. Look good. That takes away a lot of the damage to the legs, or at least minimizes, you know, on one leg. Yep. I was expecting a lot more kicks out of Almeida. Didn't get him. He was lunging in with the punches. If you're gonna, if you have to fight someone that that's that long, and he's susceptible to kicks, inside leg kick, outside leg kick, you've got to be busy with those kicks because he has kind of a little bit wider stance because he is longer. And so without having to punch down or be so much taller than people and punch downward and getting caught with an overhand right or an overhand left, whatever it is, you know, because you are standing up so much taller and you're having to punch down, he lowers his stance a little bit to get there. Uh, Sean O'Malley does. So I thought for sure Almeida was going to go more inside kick, outside kick, calf kick, whatever it was. Very, very, not enough, not anywhere near enough kicks. And every time we we talked about the, you know, the blueprint was there. And so. Here it is. Are you going to utilize it? And you saw pretty quick he yep. landed a kick, but he missed a lot, and then he just stopped. Bad coaching. Bad bad game planning, bad coaching. I mean, I get it. If Once a fighter gets in there, it's obviously easier said than done. We're sitting on the sideline telling them what to do, and I understand yeah. that it's not just like, hey, go out there and kick. When you're fighting with somebody that long, you go out there and kick, and they counter really well. You've got to set it up. You can't just throw it raw dog. You've got to give feints. You got to hide it behind punches. You've got to throw the kick and then throw punches. You've got to mix it up. You got to move your feet. Got to move your feet. What he had to do was fucking move his head. (laughs) The guy was like standing right there in front of him. He doesn't know how to move his head offline at all. Let's say he's right in the center. That's how Cody Garbrandt knocked him out. It was like. God, man, like just move your damn head a little bit. Give me a little bit of something, you know? No. Come on. You you remember when Vanderlei is, it's like a shoot box thing. Vanderlei used to do this, you know, thing. And then when he would step forward into range, his head would be straight there. It would stop. It was like, everything, everything was winging like caveman stuff. Doug can read. Look, as much as people want to be impressed with uh, Sean O'Malley, I'm, uh, I saw some improvements. I'm not thoroughly impressed. Almeida didn't look. Uh, he just, just game plan style. He just didn't fight. He didn't fight a smart fight IQ style. Uh, his coaching, I blame more of them than I do anything. Um, Almeida, like you said, has not been the same since he fought Cody Garbrandt. And Sean O'Malley, he, I, I've, we talked about it for the last couple weeks, <clears throat> but mainly last week. There's no doubt about the talent. And I thought he looked good. I thought, you know, he, but if you pull up the brackets, I think when you get into those upper guys, um, Pedro Munoz is a fucking problem for him. (laughs) Yeah. He's a fucking problem. You know, uh, you'll kill that leg. You get into those guys. He's a problem. I mean, like Chito Vera was a problem for him. You get Cody Stamen, you get, uh, Jimmy Rivera, I think being a bulldog the way he is, he might even kind of be a problem for him. He's shorter, so the knees up the middle, the push kick up the middle will be there, you know, with Jimmy Rivera. But you get into Dominic Cruz for sure is a problem for him, just stylistically, the way he moves. The well, I know he's come on, I would really love to see that fight. I would love to see it, but I think Dom, yeah. I think Dominic Cruz beats him. Yeah, Russell, okay. yeah, he just he just picks him apart on different angles. He will slow down, but. I mean, you get into that Pedro Munoz, uh, Marlon Marais era. Marlon Marais with his kicks. You'd be surprised if if 
if he even fucking walks out of there, he'd be carried out of there on a damn stretcher. You know, I mean, um, he's good. He's good, but he's going to have to make a lot more changes to his game. He's going to have to work his way up very slow to make sure that he's making, he's adjusting and having time to make those changes. Yeah. I like his push kick that he used tonight because that's a good range finder that keeps people from setting and, and throwing their power shots on the leg kicks as well as uh, setting their weight and throwing the power shots with the hands. He, he, he has a lot of great tools and weapons. I'd like to see him because he is so long. Start using that John Jones side thigh kick as much as I hate that damn kick. Okay. In the sport, I think it's, I think it's something that he needs to think about because when you go, when guys go to set and throw their kick, they step off and you start to, to kick on the front of the thigh. They stop thinking about kicking because they're worried about you kicking their knee. And John Jones does a fabulous job of doing that. And I think that helped, that's helped saved him because a lot of people have tried to calf kick him and kick him before. And he starts throwing that thigh kick and they're like, all right, maybe I shouldn't do that. You know, you don't want all your weight planted on that thing when when you're going to throw a kick and your foot's off the ground and all your weight's on that thing and he throws that thigh kick. There goes your leg. So I, I think he should start trying to focus on that as well. Sugar, you hearing me, buddy? You hearing me? Push kick <laughs> up the middle, the thigh kick to the thigh. You know, I I think he mixes his kicks up really well. He does. And he's got a he's got a, a definite, you know, multitude of techniques that he goes to at different times. And he spaces them out well. He 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 you know he'll do one and then he'll feign it. So you think he's coming with, with it again, and all of a sudden he's doing something else. So he's thinking the whole time. He's he's in control. You know the the only time I didn't see him in control was when he was eating the leg kicks from you know Cheeto Vera, and you, know, you can have those fights. But he's good. He's a talented fighter, and he's young, and he's got the you know like we say he's got the right body style. It's just a question of he's got to, you know, tighten up just little certain aspects. Yeah. You know, the walk-off stuff, it's great. Finish the fight. Don't, you know, when, you know go until they tell you to stop. John, he did finish the fight. Yeah, he did. Well, I'll tell you <laughs> what, he did. Man. Oh, man. Poor oh. Almeida. Uh, was there any other fights in the car that really impressed you? Okay, just for, just for uh, full disclosure, I missed the very first fight of the night. So oh, yes, I want to be very upfront with all of our uh, of our viewers. I want it was a great fight. I, I heard I, everyone kept. I was reading the play by play, and people were like, "Not a lot of power on the punches, but they're getting after it and they're exchanging." Are you, uh, are you kidding me? Not a lot of power. Want to freaking Abu was freaking throwing bombs. I want to say it was MMA Junkie that was doing. I was reading their play by play on Twitter. And it was like, yeah, not a lot of power behind these. Maybe, maybe they should get hit by him and find out. <laughs> Dude, he was, they were throwing bombs at each other. That was like some area Hawaii would say. <laughs> <laughs> uh, not a lot of power behind these strikes. Okay, buddy. Uh, all in all, it's a good fight. Um, but uh, let's talk about that, that first fight that you missed. I will tell you the third round. Yeah. You know, it ended with, uh, what was it? Seconds. Four seconds, five seconds left in the fight. You know, the referee finally stopped it, but that was a 10-7 round probably. Yeah. It was that bad. You know, and this was a fight. You could say that Abu maybe won the first round. Uh, Mark andre definitely won the second round, and then he was killing him in the third round. But, man, you got to give it to Abu as far as, he never gave in, man. He was always moving, always trying to get out of stuff. 
he was just taking big shots and but never quit and you got to tell me and this is you didn't watch what in the hell is ali doing in his being his corner man uh, <laughs> i don't i don't know you know how maybe you, you you do too much well i mean bob cook was my manager he was always in my corner yeah that's different I don't know. Okay, I don't know how it would be different, but I get. I I can understand where you're going with it, but Bob has Bob. There wasn't. I don't think. I don't think there was a fight once. Once I went to AKA, Bob started to manage me, and I don't think there was one fight ever in my career Bob wasn't in my corner. So let me ask you this: With Bob, was he always in the gym with you? Yeah. So do you think Ali's always in the gym with him? I don't know. I mean, don't say I don't know. Does Abu live in or does Abu live in Vegas? In New York? Oh, I don't know. I don't. Well, he's no, he doesn't. I, I know he's in New York a lot, though. He's in New York. <laughs> I know that. Um, I don't know. I, Abu isn't Abu the name of uh, uh the monkey from Aladdin? Okay, I have no idea. I think it is. I, think it is. <laughs> I, used, to, I used to watch the movie Aladdin a lot when I was a kid. That's a lot. <laughs> It says a lot about sing the magic. I think I don't even know what that is, but Uh, I do know that I think the monkey's name is Abu. Kind of a cool name, man. I'm just I'm being a little envious here. I'm be honest with you guys. (laughs) Uh, uh, it was a good fight. What did you watch? Um, Abu Bakas fight. Yeah, he looked fantastic. What'd you think? I thought he looked sharp. You know, you got to look and say Jared Gooden is a. You know, I watched him in LFA a lot. He is an athlete. He's fast. You know, and you're looking for a guy when you're fighting a guy that you're thinking is going to try to take you down, like I'm sure he was thinking uh, Abu Bakr was going to do. You know, having your hands low actually helps you because it's hard because your hands are set in place to stop the takedown instead of you trying to bring your hands down and stuff. So I thought that, you know, Nurmagomedov did a really nice job. Of, he started off nice and calm. He built, he used his jab. He was throwing the cleaner, more technical strikes throughout. Although Gooden has got, you know, explosive power, but he wing shots. It was just a, you know, it was just a difference in seeing someone who is probably a better athlete. I think Gooden is a better athlete than Nurmagomedov, but Nurmagomedov is a better trained fighter, more technically skilled, uh, just does things cleaner and crisper and it just proved it throughout the fight. I think if you go and you watch the fight again, okay, if you guys are at home and you guys want to see um, what a fighter looks like when they're stressed out or they're feeling pressured to perform, go back and watch the first two and a half to three minutes of the fight. And you see Manop, which is Abu Bakr. You'll see him, how tense he is, how it's more like he was waiting for, he was anticipating every move that Jared was doing. And that right there is what gasses you out. That first two and a half minutes, three minutes of an adrenaline dump, that's what does it. As soon as he realized he had rocked Jared, I think it was in the first round, he rocked him a little bit towards like two minutes left, I think, something like that. He had rocked him. Everything settled. It was like, I can hurt this guy. And he just started touching him with a jab, started hitting him here. He could have pulled the trigger more. I think could have probably there had had he let his hands go a little bit more. But I understand why he didn't. Um, no, he was just being, he got into that mode of, oh, I can touch this guy I can't, and he's not able to really touch me. I'm not going to get hurt and I'm just going to just keep piecing him up. Yeah, because if I can touch him and I can kind of hurt him and I know he can't take me down, 
what's let him shoot a desperation double if i hurt him and they can come after you know i'll go after him go after him pressure him, make him tired very very well uh fought very good game plan i liked also too javier kept telling him like throw the head kick you know because he does have a very fast head kick it's very much like uh islam's that's sneaky and they hide it behind their punch really well and i believe he started off the second round with that head kick it was the second maybe the third i think he started off the second round with the head kick and it got up there quick boom and um and it just and that kind of changed the dynamic because now jared's going okay am i wrestling or am i fucking standing like what's going on here like what's i was expecting this guy to wrestle me to death yeah and the one thing with monop is that he he likes to stand when you're sparring with him he's not trying to wrestle you all the time he's different than the other guys islam will stand a lot as well but he his whole thing is to wrestle khabib same thing the other islam there's another uh mama medoff uh, he train he fights out of um the pfl he likes he likes to stand as well he doesn't wrestle as much so there's there's a group of them but little umar he'll do it all you know and then you know their their brother or their um cousin Usman. Usman, he likes to stand as well but he stands. he's still mexican he likes to stand though he's got big but boy he's nasty on top yeah he finally does go to the ground Ooh. so there's a lot i mean there's I was expecting a little bit more wrestling out of him, but I understood when he started landing clean shots, started touching him and getting, you know, getting the ball rolling. He's like, he can't take me down or I'm seeing everything coming. It's that clarity, you know, and it seems like, I mean, he was pushing the pace in the third, which means he did his cardio. Remember how we talked about that last week? Yep. So he, he was on, he did his running. He did all of his conditioning and I thought he looked good. I know what on to the next one, my man, on to the next one. Congratulations. Alonzo Menafeld, that was a beautiful Von Flew choke. They keep on trying to make it a Von Prue. It's not a Von Prue. <laughs> I guess you're going to do both. You're going to give it to Jason Von Flew and OSP. So it's the Von Prue now. <laughs> Just call it the Von Flew. Thank you. Just call it the Von Flew. Quit trying to give it to someone. I'm not saying that OSP has not used it a bunch in the UFC, but that doesn't mean it's his. He's yeah. not the trademarker of it. Yeah. Um, malarkey though, perfect timing, Oof. right on the button. Oh, couldn't have landed a cleaner shot. Like if you're talking about right on the tip of the chin, that left hand just right range, right mark, everything. Yeah, when you see the jaw on the head snap like that, it's over. Done. Oh yeah. It was just like, like when you when you would do those slow camera views, like this is gonna be one of those. You know, when you, you see the photos sometimes from, you know, from Esther Lynn or anyone like that, and they capture the perfect shot where the jaw is like over here and the punches and the, and and the, the eyeballs are going this way and the, the skin is going that way and the skin, everything's going the other direction. Yeah. Like kind of, that's what I want to do one day. I want to do it all in slow motion, a podcast, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to, you know, you just film it in those, what are they called? hundred milliseconds or something like that. That'd be awesome showing podcast dave's jaw going this way head brandon maverick she looked good oh my god that was a that was a good fight john's like all right on to the next one buddy <laughs> no, you keep on talking about podcast dave and what you're gonna do to him yeah i love it <laughs> brandon uh, miranda maverick looked really good her stand-up man she was aggressive she was going after it and on the ground we know that jillian robertson's got a great ground game she kept herself safe when she got in trouble at times and she even went, you know, went in to take her down and actually be on top and do damage. So I was very impressed with what she's doing. Was it a 30-27? Yeah, you two, know, 
27 and then one. Yeah, I know it wasn't. And I, and I look at that and I say, you know, as a judge, what they're trying to do is they're trying to say, well, Jillian didn't do anything as far as the grappling where she was going for a submission, but she did. It yeah. just wasn't a locked on submission. She did go for the choke and she was more into positional control, but you, you know, the criteria tells you that if it's more, if it's four minutes of grappling, she's going to have to do some serious damage in the standup striking to be able to, to take that round away from someone who with four minutes of grappling at least is in control and trying to set up submissions, maybe not getting there, but there was some really nice, you know, exchanges in yeah. the ground game between the two and the way that Jillian Robertson rode the back at times. Yes. If you don't know, that was impressive as hell. There it was, is not easy to stay on the way she did at times. So she, she had the chest wrap with her back to the fence. Oh yeah. And then Maverick rough away from her and she was able to scoot and then sit her to her back. And she got back to the top position. I was like, that was oh, very nice. Yes. There was a whole lot going on in there. You're going, man, that was sweet. And, uh, but so I personally, I, I did think that Jillian Robertson should have gotten around. It's close, but she still gets it, you know, based upon all of that grappling that she did, you know, it's, uh, well, just, I mean, what we it saw is what it is. It's more uneducated judging, which is normal, but <laughs> <laughs> I like to just jab at some of the judges. Every no different than I have to do the same thing about the refs because I know John is a little bit of a homer and he likes to stick up for them. But <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's good stuff. Overall, it was a decent card. Some of the cards, some of the fights fell off. Jessica Penny fell off because her opponent, I think her opponent or her, someone had staff, uh, not staff, but uh, COVID situation. So they pushed it, I believe, until April 16th. So two more weeks, 16th, something like that. I don't know whenever their card is out that way. So yeah, they pushed it out that way. There was another fight, I think, that fell off as well. Oh, the, the, the Col- fight. The, wasn't it? Wasn't this the Brian Ortega fight? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. So that that fight fell off. Volkanovski. That fell off a while ago. Yeah. Yeah. A couple well, weeks I, now. I talked to Jessica the other day, and like I said, hey, like, hey, good luck this weekend. And she's all, oh, my fight fell off this morning. I'm like, oh shit. Oh, great. That sucks. Yeah, but the difference got- is Volkanovski. Actually, he had COVID. No, he had. It, it, it wasn't someone in his camp. So. Ooh, that's dangerous. Well, that's why you've got to pull that fight and say, you don't know how he's going to react to it. You know, everyone is different. Look at what happened with Chemayev, and you know, some some people react poorly to it. Cody Garbrandt, he's yeah. had problems. Yeah. Um. All right, guys. Well, hey, we wrap that up. Hey, but I want you guys to go to mybookie.ag. Use the promo code Wayne in. They're going to give you a little extra money to spend on us. We want to just thank- don't listen to anything I said because I said go with the over at a round and a half, and I thought, yep, it's going to happen. Nope, it did not. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I also said that uh, Steve Bay was going to win. <laughs> That's all right. Oh, man. You can't win them all. I'm just trying to win one, just to be honest. <laughs> I, I, I did have Sean, Sean O'Malley, so. Yeah. Yeah, I, I had Almeida. Whoops. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, well, hey, let's bust into some news. Let's uh, let's have some fun with this fucking clown show or this circus show that's ahead of us coming up. Oh, my Askren and, and one of the Paul kids. Um, I don't know <laughs> the Paul kids. What the fuck? Uh, that kid, He's the got- poodle head, the poodle head, man. 
All right, look, more and more. I didn't realize that this guy is this big. He's oh, a, yeah, he's he's a hundred. He's a he's a hundred ninety to two hundred pound guy. Yeah, I thought the other one was the bigger. He is bigger. His brother right? Logan's bigger. Yeah, but so, not by much. Yeah, when we're getting into this conversation about these two guys fighting, I, I'm now even going to stake my claim even more. Ben Askren going to win this fight. <laughs> ben Askren going to win this fight. This guy, sure, maybe he can box, but that little like hand in front of the face thing that I just I'm watching right now. For, and then what Logan did, like his, uh, well, it, it was like, it was like, it was like an open hand body strike like within a, uh, a off balance yeah. push. He pushes Ben from behind. Ben's got sandals on. Ben only goes like two feet. He's like, okay. <laughs> push me. Ooh, big time. Oh, <laughs> uh, but I guess the next part of this video, there's another part of the video where he actually catches Ben, like you were saying, I think, where Ben's kind of sleeping on a desk or whatever, and someone is laying, laying his head down on the table inside of like another, like an open uh, conference room. And then uh, one of this the poodle kid comes in and says, and starts, brings his entourage in there, right? And starts yeah. chanting something to Ben. Yeah, I love that. I, 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 I take nothing from, I take nothing from, you know, Jake Paul. Okay. You want to do that? You have people in there filming it, obviously, and you're going to do your thing. Okay, whatever. I'm okay with it. But, Josh, how pathetic oh. do, do you have to be to be one of his 20 oh, groupie hanger-oners that is in there clapping your hands, yeah, baby, yeah, baby, or whatever you are. You know, it's like, dude, are you that pathetic that you're going to follow this guy and do this crap? whatever and like if you go to ben's uh instagram ben askren oh my gosh and you watch this video look he i think he realizes when he gets close and his entourage is still like five seven feet away and ben's just sitting down if ben was to actually stand up and they were to really fight ben would fucking destroy this guy <laughs> fight in this in this setting right here you guys oh, yeah. it's up one takedown he is this done. kid is done. The poodle done. kid is gone. Like, that's it. And then, like you said, you've got the entourage of people that are... The, on, the entourage of idiots. Oh, man. <laughs> it's, horrible. it's horrible. Oh, my God. You know, I, 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 it, it's, it's, so, it, it's almost frustrating because if this is what the world of boxing has become, because this thriller you know, company and they're doing all of these, you know, yeah. one-off fights with celebrities and MMA guys and whatever, you know, basketball players. And I, I look at it and I go, I just, uh, man, boxing is, if this is the best that boxing can do, we got problems. Well, then he comes back and he, like, there's a response. I guess, uh, what's it called? DC comes out. My boy says, I just saw Jake Paul reaction to Ben Askren, palming his face. And I am now convinced that Ben wins. Yeah, so am I now. A punch <laughs> and then settled on slapping him in the belly or the ass. Ben smashes this dude. I'm all in all the way on Ben Askren. And, and you know, and then obviously, uh, the poodle kid comes back with everyone needs something something on on this will be you market going up i don't know there's a picture of dc crying after he lost his title look man 
when if it really just comes down, John, are you gonna watch this? I guess really, that's really what I want to know. Are you gonna watch? I it? have to watch it. I don't have a choice. Jesus, John. We, we, you know, it's one of those. It's like I'm stuck. I have to watch this. I'm gonna stream it. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't say I was gonna pay for it. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I'm gonna. Uh, I'll go to someone else's. House. They all they all come to mind for the UFC you know pay per view. So I'm gonna make somebody else buy that one because I ain't buying it. I'm gonna stream it. I don't buy shit. I'm streaming it. Oh, uh, I, I just you just you look. He also said he's gonna be the biggest boxing star there is. It's like how fucking delusional is this oh, guy, John? John, this is what boxing is. That's why I believe he he might be right to this. Oh Jesus Christ, you've lost your fucking mind too. No, because this yes. what, this is a fucking circus show that boxing is now. De La Hoya just announced he's coming back. Yeah, like, well, he needs the money. Like that's what I'm talking about. It's gotten <laughs> so bad that that the legends of boxing now have understood it so bad. We've got to come back and try and rejuvenate boxing. Sadly, guys like this are going to take over. That's it. You have these type of guys. You don't have real fighters anymore. You've got internet guys that think they this, don't have a box. This it's is done. the, isn't it? But that's exactly what you just said. Boxing's done. Real fighters. Okay. I'm just going to flat out say Jake Paul is not a real fighter. He has fought another YouTube, internet, you know, whatever you want to call him. And. Nate Robinson, who is a basketball player who has never been in a boxing match in his life other than one that he lost to Jake Paul. You're not fighting other professional fighters. All right. You're fighting people that are something else. Now, because a state athletic mission licensed you and you fought this person and they said it was professional. Yes, you have a two and oh professional record, but you're not fighting a professional fighter. You're fighting someone that is an amateur yeah he's i just he, he's delusional he's he's delusional in if we if if we went to a wild card or we go to a gym gleason's or any of those and we put jake paul in with a real professional fighter someone that's had yeah, we'll say 15 fights and they really go after him he's going to find out what the real world is like it's a whole lot different than fighting a fucking basketball player. You're having a conversation with another well, former real fighter, and I get exactly what you're talking about. But the reality is, is that the casual at home doesn't give a shit about that right now when it comes to boxing. They want to tune in to the kid that they see on YouTube. And John, he's he's got a point. Unfortunately, he's got a point. Boxing is so shitty right now. Oh my god! This is what they have come to. This is I'm I'm just being honest. And let's just let's not <laughs> around the bush and eat around the tush. Okay, this is the real deal here. <laughs> this is reality for boxing and the future. I think is this type of garbage because this guy can walk around Hollywood and do videos where he throws water balloons at people or whatever it is. And he gets more traction off of it. He he may have a he may have a point. I think this is the direction that boxing is heading, right into the trash can. It's 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 true, John. It's true. Well, it's true. I, we I I did a show that was called Bully Beatdown that yeah. dealt exactly with this guys that actually thought they were fighters, mm -hmm. and you'd put them against a real pro fighter, and it was beautiful to watch. It was absolutely hysterical. When, once they allowed me to actually help get them some real fighters that were not, you know, B-League, 
and bring in some guys like Eddie Alvarez and Andre Arlovsky and those kind of guys and Tyron Woodley and Dan Corman. Oh, it was hysterical to watch. You know, that's what, that's what homie needs. He needs to actually have a real boxing match with a real boxer. But see, that's what you want. That's, but that's what, that's what I want. But he won't, it won't happen. Of course he won't, man. He's not going to do that. People will not pay for that. People will pay to watch him fight what he's fighting. Like Ben, I, I'm surprised he actually took the fight with Ben Askren. Only, be, but he only took it because Ben it was not known for stand up wrestler. Yeah, that's it. He only took it because of that. Had it been <clears throat> any other fighter, let's just say another like Damian Maya. I don't think he would have taken a fight with Damian Maya. I, I don't know why. I just Damian has fights where he's fought more on the feet than Ben Askren has. Oh yeah, you know what I mean. So I don't know if he would have taken that fight with Damian Maya. Even though Damian Maya and him had and Ben Askren had some pretty good exchange on the feet, it was like you understand what I'm saying. Like he wouldn't have fought someone that would really put him out like that. That would like make him really box or have a little bit of skill level that he has right. seen before. That's why he's going to continue to take these fights. He'll talk. He'll build them up. I don't know, man. Here's what scares me: is he may try and fight someone like Dylan Danis next, who's got no boxing, not. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, Dylan's phenomenal on the ground, but he's got no boxing. No. So, I mean, if you think about what are the what are the best, what are the guys that are good MMA guys, but don't really have a lot of stand-up, he's going to start calling those guys out. He's never going to fight a George Maz at all. Fuck no, <laughs> he's not. Well, excuse me. Hold on. He's friends with George Maz, but also. But he like trained, uh, he trained, he trained with George. Did you see him holding up uh, the, the thing to Ben as far as... Uh, getting knocked out by Masvidal and is like, you know, he, th he thinks he's actually getting in or under Ben's skin. Ben is psychologically and mentally so more advanced than Jake Paul, as far as just being able to deal with this. It's like, you're not even in the same league, dude. Stop. I mean, I'm, I, I'm just being up a very upfront and honest that this is what boxing has become. And when he says those words that I will become more, probably one of the biggest stars or I have the potential of being the biggest star in boxing history. He didn't say I have the potential. He says, I will be. Okay. I will be. I would think, look, the way boxing's going, I, I don't, I, I can't really doubt the kid right now. This, ah. is, this is the crap. <clears throat> this is the crap we're tuning into. Luckily I'm streaming it for free. <laughs> Luckily I'm not paying for it. Yeah. What else you got for us there? Podcast, Dave. Uh, Misha Tate announces that she's coming out of retirement and Dang. she's going to fight Marion Renault. Oh, hello. Thank you. <laughs> no, <laughs> look, I like, I love her because we've been friends for a long time. We fought in some of the Washington circuits for, you know, before I got in the UFC, she was coming up. It was like a long, long time ago. Strike force, obviously. And then UFC. And I love everything about her, man. She's a, a wonderful person. She's got a great heart. Um, yep. All of those things. She went off and was working for one for a while. Um, they got shut down. Singapore is like still, I mean, I think it's still completely just shut down. They're locked in. Like they, they get penalties. They get fined and ticketed and all that shit if they actually go outside. That's just, you know, so I think she moved her whole family out. Just get out of there. She got two young kids now. And, you know, um, she, I think she's engaged or married or something like that. But she's doing her thing back in Vegas. I think she's back home training at uh, Extreme Couture's. I guess apparently she's doing really well with all the, the top girls that are there. I don't know which top girls are there, but she's doing pretty well there with all the girls that are there. So I think they all kind of egged her on and got her to come back. 
Well, Misha's always had a very good ground game. Yeah. yeah she's a good grinding grappler. She's great at getting positions. She does damage on the ground. She's never been that person in the stand-up that had speed and was fast. And I think near the end of her career, she was getting tired. Uh, it wasn't fun for her anymore. And that, that's a good reason to leave. And if you think this is going to be something, okay, I'm re-energized. Okay. But don't look at it like you know, I heard about, you know, she's looking, you know, towards getting the title again. Put the brakes on, slow down, get that first fight in and see how you feel after that. And uh, she's a, a great person. I love her. I wish her the best in her return, but give her time. Don't, don't put, and I would hate to see the UFC try to push her towards a title type thing. Give her time. You know, it's, it's crazy. I think, yeah, she's, she's getting older as far as, you know, fighters and what, what's she 34, 35? still young 34 years old yeah but she just had two kids too yeah, that's no, I'm, I'm not that ain't easy you know but she, that means that her body's been through a lot she <laughs> can, can do anything so um look i think i think um i think for her honestly i think she's found that fire again a little bit i think the change of her working over there to it with one and seeing you know and working with the talent over there she had, you know, done some training with a lot of top girls that are. So, over is she all done with one then, or is she actually still working with them? I think she, I think she was still working with them up until now, and then she's going to pursue some fights. But I think she still was. Chaudhry's one of those guys, and I don't know if you've heard anything about him or you know anything about him. He's a very, he's a very loyal person, you know. So if you do him right, he'll do you right. And uh, you know, I worked for them for uh, a couple of years and uh, never said anything bad about me, and I never had anything bad to say about them, and. And uh, he's always been super nice. So I think I think the promotion itself is a great promotion. I think it's great. It gives the Asian market and and they've given a lot of other fighters from other areas as well. Potentially Demetrius Johnson, Eddie Alvarez, Sejor Cut, you know, a lot of other fighters from all around though the world giving them opportunities to fight. Uh, Rich Franklin works over there. I believe he's the president. You know, Matt Hume is over there as well. He's, I don't, I don't know what his title is, but he's kind of like the boss. So he's like one of those guys, you know, you just see him around. You just know he's kind of boss. He's the boss kind of guy. But, uh, you know, and then Misha was over there as well. I believe she was the VP. Um, look, they're a great company to work for. Do I think, I think she's going to pursue this fighting for a little bit longer, probably a couple of years. She's 34. She's got plenty of time. She gets herself in shape and she works her way up slowly. But what do you expect her to say? She's a former champion. You think, I'm going to go in there and just have a couple some fights and, you know, make some money and get out. No, no, I'm making my run. I'm making my one last run. If guys like if guys like Overeem and T. Wood can say that and other guys can say I'm going to make one more run at 38 and 39, she's 34. Of course she can do another run. Hell yeah. Have at it, girl. You know, um, it's going to be a tough run. But if you were to pull up the bracket, I'm assuming she's going to fight at 35. You know? Got um, yeah, she's going to fight at 35. So she... If she fights at 35, where are you going? There's a fit. <laughs> where are you going? I for pound there, so I was like, it threw me off. Uh, oh, this is 35 right here? Yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, You know, you get in her in that mix. I mean, if we get in that mix, I'd like to see her and Juliana Pena fight. Um, Irene Aldana. I mean, Aspen Ladd. She already fought Juliana Pena. Yeah, a long time ago. Obviously, no, no, not a long time ago. They fight. That was one of her last fights, wasn't it? No, uh, Raquel Pennington was and Amanda Nunes. Okay. Most... No, they didn't fight. Oh, no. they didn't fight. Why? 
scoot all the way up? Was yeah. she? This she was, oh, she, I know what it was. She was the coach of uh, Juliana during the uh, Tough Show. Gotcha. Planning yeah. for Copains and yeah. They used to train together in in the Washington area. I yeah. Mean, anyways, um, in that little mix though, me got Aspen Lab would be a great fight for her. I think. John, mm, I'm not too sure. Talk to me, Goose. Yeah, well, power and the stand-up. You know, the stand-up was never no Misha's. You know, forte. It was always the ground, and she was great at getting people to the ground. There, uh, I would say someone like you know Yana Kuniskayev. I think that would be a fight. Yeah, Yana's better on the feet. I think that uh, Misha's better on the ground, so that would be one. I think I think the fight that they gave her with Miriam. You know, Miriam's what. She's 12, right? 12. Okay. Yeah. That's great. And so if, if Misha comes out, you know, on top in that fight, then someone like Yana is a good one as, as the next step. That's a reasonable fight. In my opinion, you know, Yana has been in there against really good fighters. So, well, Macy just had a good fight as well. I can't even say her last name. Chase Sam. Jason. Jason. She just fought, I think last week. Macy Jesson, she just fought last week. Um, she beat Mary. Yes, yes, yeah. She's she's see now she's a stand-up fighter, pretty long, pretty tall. She was coming back from a long layoff, but she's she was she just fought Marion. Yeah, but the know. I understand, but I'm saying like if she beats Marion, run out, if she beats her, then she could potentially fight this girl next. I think the wrestling will be the key, and then oh, definitely is the key. She's got, if she doesn't get Macy down, Macy wins. If she does get Macy down, I see uh, Misha winning. I don't see how Misha loses to her. Just based off of, like, you look at the girls like like Holly Holm, right? Like, her movement's way better than Macy's. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. She, you know, and then once Misha gets... But, but you're also talking, that was when yeah. Misha was coming up and she was... At that point, she had beaten like Sarah McMahon and a couple other ones, and so she was riding high at the time when she fought Holly Holm. That's true. You are. You are. You are. That. How many years ago was that? I did that fight. I know it was a long time ago. You did that fight. Oh, the Holly Holm fight. The Holly Holm fight. Yeah. Yeah. Look at that. All the way back in 2016. Yeah. Yeah. Last time she fought though was 2016. Uh, Last time she fought was it. Well, no, she lost her title at UFC 200 mm-hmm. because that was supposed to be the Dan Cormier, John Jones that got canceled based upon a drug test. So, Lovely. <laughs> Dan Cormier ended up fighting Anderson Silva. Oh, yeah, that was 200, right? UFC yep. 200? That's that. And so Misha and Amanda were moved into the main event based upon uh, that's right. that. That is right. And then she lost to Raquel Pennington. And I think, look, there was, she had a lot of things going on, I think, in her personal life, too, at the time. So she was, just, oh, yeah. She was just tired of everything out of Vegas. I got to get, get my own head clear and just get my life, you know, do what I do something different than what I was doing before. So I think she got burned out a little bit, like you were saying. So she's back. She, you know, she never, she never sold her house. She still has her house there in Vegas. And she lives right down the street from, uh, from Extreme Couture's. Know, and then a lot of the people she used to train with you know they're all gotten better so it's like for her it's a good i think a good feel of knowing that 
there is the girls that are there are all better now and just can help her get better as well. So yep, get her back. Yeah. Get her back a little, little bit faster. Look, once you already know it, it's, it's going to be hard for her to get it back fast, but she's going to have, she's going to need a fight like this to, to get her, I think going in, if she would have jumped in like Connor did against Dustin, trying <laughs> to change what, you know, like, okay, that's a little bit, he needs a little bit more time. Her, she's jumping in, you know, against number 12, you know, then potentially number seven or eight or whatever it is from there. So smart comeback. But what did you expect her to say, John? No, no, I'm going to stay down here in the, the low rankings and just get some cash cows because they're going to, they still under contract. They still pay her a lot. I don't care what they pay her. I don't care what it is. I just say, get a couple of fights in. Don't let them push you too fast. Yeah. She yeah. needs, she needs, she needs to get back into it. Yeah. You I know that. I agree. Hey, I'll pay for the pay-per-views on her though. <laughs> ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, bad human being. That. I ain't missing that pay-per-view. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Aljo. Aljo doesn't understand why Peter Yan is getting rewarded with the rematch. Stop. I know, thank you. Stop. Peter, uh, not Peter, Aljo. Every time you talk now, you're making it worse. You're making it worse. I heard your little press conference this week. Just shut up. Honestly, shut up. You're giving justifications on why he doesn't do a rematch. And it's, dude, you, John, John, take it away. Take it away. Uh, I got nothing to see. Like, sometimes, you know, people think that, oh, you know, you're against me. No. I'm not against Aljo at all. I, in fact, I was rooting for him to win. I wanted him to win. I wasn't. I just looked and say the way that went about, and he's upset, you know, that I said that I wouldn't have done it that way. You know, I'm being honest here, you want the truth? I wouldn't have done it that way. It would have ended up being different. 27 years of the UFC. There's never been a title that was given to somebody off of a disqualification. If you're going to look at it, you say he didn't win the title. It was gifted to him. Now, there's been a couple of others. I'm just being honest because people are, that are watching are seeing a fight where he did well in the first round, I thought, and then he was losing the other round. And in the fourth round, he's losing that round. Now, that does not mean that he can't come back and win the fifth round uh, and, and you know, end the fight, but he's losing it. And so when people are watching that and then all of a sudden it's a referee that says, here, here's your title. It just doesn't look good and it doesn't sit good with people because they're going to look and say, you didn't really win that. And it really comes down to this. Matt Hughes was the guy that always said, um, you know, you're, you're a champion when you defend the title. Okay. I'll go with that. So Aljo, you got to defend the title, but if you're trying to get past defending it against the guy that it was just taken from it's going to look incredibly bad stop yeah he's here's the thing is every time he tries to justify what happened in that cage he makes it worse it's just it, it really is every little thing he's saying and then he brought you into it and then he's you know he's talking about with now this these comments rewarded with the rematch like I'm sorry, but if if I was illegally need in the head and I won and I was gifted like you were the title and I'd say, 
I need to prove to everyone, just my own person. That's it. I need to prove to everyone that this was not. I can beat that guy. I can beat this guy. Look, maybe that night wasn't my night. Maybe I was on the downhill. Maybe it wasn't going my way. And sure, things out of my hands happened. Yes. The ref and the judges decided to give me the title. Look, I'm not going to argue with that. I'm going to take that. I'm going to take that title. But I'm going to go there. I'm not going to be trying to backpedal out of a rematch. No way. I'm going to prove to everybody that I beat him. And that that should have, if you wanted to make your comments more clear about where you stand, we're going to do it again. And I'm going to prove that I was the better fighter. That's all he's got to say. Every time you keep saying stuff, you're proving to everybody that you don't deserve it. You're trying to get out of a rematch. You were all, I know it was a gimmick. You and Henry Cejudo standing face to face. And I get it. It was like, that's okay. Yeah, that's fine. But I'm saying it also kind of is a bad look. Yeah, it doesn't, especially right, right away, but it's all right. But you and I understand like what it was all about. It's like Henry's doing that. He's cringing everybody these days. <laughs> but, um, you know, but, but with you just stop, just stop on your social media, stop on the interviews, just talk about, Hey, it doesn't matter. We're going to do it again. And we're going to find out that's all it comes down to. And you, he's so, he is good. He's so damn good. But this, he's he, he's going to be back there probably in another year, hopefully, you know, if, for him. If he was to lose it, it'll be him and somebody else and somebody else, and then he'd probably be right back in there. So, uh, but he's got to dial it back. Dial it back and just say, look, we're going to fight again. John, we're going to fight again, and we're going to find out who's the better fighter that night. He already know what he does, what he does well. And now you need to, instead of doing interviews and trying to justify yourself on Twitter to every fucking hater, okay, just get in the gym and work on the things you need to work on to get better to beat him. That's it. You have this time to get it done. Do that. Stop answering Big John on your fucking interviews, okay? (laughs) (laughs) uh, I don't know how to say it, but I, I always tell guys, man, and I'm not saying this to anyone in particular, but don't let somebody rent space in your head. Mm-hmm. And obviously I'm renting space in someone's head. <laughs> they really caring about my opinion, which you shouldn't care about. Don't worry about it. Just go and do what you need to do coming up. But there's only one guy for you to fight. Yeah. Yeah. I want, I, I guess, look for every fighter that listens to our show, you guys have to understand the we, truth hurts. The truth does hurt. And and I'm we're just giving you our perception of the truth from the distance that we're at. And I'm not and I in no way am I trying to bring hate on anyone. Like not no. you know, uh, I have sprinkled a little hate on Chandler, but you know, that's a personal thing. <laughs> Everybody else, though, I'm just being honest with you guys, but everyone else, I have no hate towards any of you guys. I want to see us all succeed, but the problem is there's winners and losers in this sport. Okay, and you have always gonna be some you have to critique the losers so they get better. You know, maybe they listen to you, maybe they don't. And I'm not trying to say they need to take my advice, but you need to learn how to take criticism if you are going to get better. Maybe from just your coaches, maybe, you know, maybe just from your mom and dad and your brothers and sisters or your fans, whatever it is, and not from me. But, I mean, it's, I'm just trying to, I'm just trying to say, hey, these are things that I saw from my professional opinion that you could potentially use some work on. And for you, Aljo, just stay off Twitter. That's like really what it comes down to. Like, don't don't answer any more of these questions. Stay in the gym, focus on that, and and win and beat him the next time. 
then we won't have any questions. There won't be any questions. They, I see. I won. I proved y'all wrong. Just leave it at that. Boom. Leave it. it. You're absolutely right. What else you got there? Podcast, Dave. Dana White says he's thinking about doing Juliana Pena and uh, Amanda Nunes. Isn't Juliana coming off a loss? No, Juliana's coming off of a win. She's been she called out Amanda Nunez. Oh, that's right. And she's been she's been jockeying for that fight. She wants it. So who else right now do you think is um more deserving for that fight? Really, there's nobody else that's more deserving, I don't think. There may be some just as. Oh, the only but, person I would really put against Amanda would be Valentin. Shevchenko. And I mean, outside of that would only be Jermaine Deronomy. And Jermaine just had knee surgery, so she'll be out for at least probably eight months, six months, eight months, which kind of sucks for her because she's 38, I think. Jermaine is. So, yeah, I don't know. It's, she's going to be out for a while. So, yeah, Juliana just fought Sarah McMahon, had a, had a nice win, ended up getting the uh, uh, submission victory. Mm-hmm. So. Rear naked choke, I believe. Yep. Um, God, is he still trapped door on this old man, too? Look at you, huh? Josh Thompson, <laughs> anyways. <laughs> um, yeah, I do. I, 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 John, it doesn't matter. I don't think she's gonna beat her. She has a chance, maybe submission. Oh, she, she's got a chance. She, I, the, the real thing about I, I'll give it to Juliana, she's a junkyard dog. Yeah, and I say that with the utmost of respect, and that that's a good thing because she is a junkyard dog. She may not have the best stand up. She's got a good submission game. She's tough and super heavy on the ground when she gets on top of people. So, if you look and say, "Well, where could she beat Amanda?" You know, on the ground she could catch Amanda. You know, Amanda's got good ground too, but she could make a mistake and Juliana could catch her. And I've seen her with other ladies that are really good on the ground and she's done well you know sarah you know her last fight if you're looking at sarah sarah was you know, sarah was an olympic silver medalist yeah you know she was a good wrestler man and she's physically although she's i guess if you want to say up in age she's kind of like the yoel romero yeah she may be older in age but biologically man her age is way down she's physically fit and just strong and she got that win she always finds a way to come up with the win. You know, she did it against Kat Zingano. She's tough. Now, is she going to be the underdog? Yeah, she's going to be the underdog. You know, The favorite will definitely be Amanda. And on the feet, I think Amanda is too much for her to stay with. She's got to work towards getting the fight to the ground to make it a more winnable fight for her. Yeah, she's she's got to pull some cats <laughs> I mean, I don't even know how she's going to win this fight. Called she's Imanari gonna... Roll. <laughs> something like that. She's going to have to do something like that. I mean, huh? leg scissor takedown and something. Hook or something like that. She's going to have to do the whole, what, Rio Chonin against Anderson Silva. Yep, that was Rio Chonin, yeah. She's going to do something like that. She's Flying gonna... scissor takedown. Come on, that's awesome. She's going to have to do something like that to really get it, get it, at least get the fight to the ground, threaten the fight to the ground. Something along those lines. Because she can't afford to stand too long, and I think no, not with Amanda. Knows that her stand up is her defense to stand up is not that great either, so she will get hit. You know, whereas Amanda can just touch, touch, and it, it can be over quick. So, I mean, she's jockeying for the fight. 
I mean, I get it. That's your job. You're supposed to be trying to ask for that title shot. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> do I think that she should get it? Uh, I don't know. Well, she get it right now. You know, don't you can't take Valentina right now. We'll say don't take someone out of a different weight category. Who deserves it more than her? I mean, you've got people ahead of her. Yeah, I mean, Holly's ahead of her, but Holly has fought Nobody against has Amanda. Jermaine has fought against Amanda. So you've got those. Yeah, Aspen Ladd has not fought Amanda, but I'm not sure that she's not fight either. What's that? She's not ready for that fight either, though. No, I don't think so either. No, um, Irene Aldana, she's not ready for the fight. Yana Kunitskaya, whatever, she's not ready. Kunitskaya? She's not ready for that fight. I mean, women's MMA is it's getting better, but it feels like it's thinning out. No, I, don't. I, I don't know if it's thinning out or there's just certain people that have elevated themselves to a level that is just right now too good for everybody else. Well, what I've said, and I've said this forever, is that we are in that Frank Shamrock era where you've got Frank Shamrock, you got Tito Ortiz, and you've got like no one else below him. We're kind of in that era of where they were at that time. Like you've got the two best fighters, right? That are at the top, but then below them, it's like just a, it's like they're just chess pieces that just fall up, they go up, they fall down. It's like, what's that? Do you realize how far back you're going there? I am. I am. Do you, do you know when Tito and Frank fought? Yeah, I do. What what UFC was it? I want to say. Come on, baby, come up with it. I will be so impressed. Nineteen. No, twenty-two. But oh. very close. <laughs> was it twenty-two? Because Bob Cook yes. fought Peaky Goshen on twenty-three or twenty-four. Twenty-four, no. I believe. Uh, yeah, I thought I thought it was earlier than that. All right, yeah. Yep, yep, yep. I had just started training with Frank. That was in 98. Yeah, UFC 19. The main event was, I believe, Boss Rutan against Yoshi Kosaka. Hmm. On the Tito fight? Tito and Frank? No, 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 no. no. Oh. UFC 19. You said 19. Yeah, 19. 22, the, head, the main event was Frank and Tito. Got it. UFC 19, was that not Tito and Guy Mesker? Tito and Guy Mesker was 19. The main UFC event? 19. Yeah. Was so who was who was twenty two? Who was who was the who was the co-main on that one? Uh, Gary Goodridge and Andrew uh, Andre. Oh, look at that! Chuck Liddell and Jeremy Horn was because twenty was Boss Rutan and Kevin Randleman. <clears throat> yep. Yeah. Who was no? Oh yeah, Boss Rutan. Kevin. I was looking at Pedro Munoz. Who was twenty two? Was that Tito? Twenty two is Frank and Tito. I guarantee that. Yeah. So then, what was twenty three? Was that Bob Cook? I know Bob Cook was on there. He wasn't the main event though. No, Bob Cook fought Tiki. Scroll down to the more fights. No. Uh, no. I think we said 24. 24? Maybe. Maybe. How oh, does it go to 24? Anyways. Yeah, he's my he was my manager, Bob Cook. Yep, yep. Bob 24. Bob 24. Look at you. Jesus, man. Jen's a long Pulver, time ago. Jens Pulver and Dave Velasquez. <sighs> Whoa, Dave Velasquez from AKA, baby. Yeah, he used to train with me. He was what one. was Jens Pulver's first fight in the UFC? Let's hear that one. Uh, his Alfie Davis. Alcarez. Alcarez. I thought it was, who's Alfie Davis? Alfie Davis fights in Bellator. <laughs> That's 
Right. I love that. That's good. That's a little bit, a little bit different in years. Yeah. He was a, uh, Alfie Alcarez was a bouncer at the Spearman, not Spearman. I mean, it was Phil Rano. He might've been. Anyways. Yeah. Good little kickboxer. Yeah. 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 Him. And then was it, was it, it was Alfie. But then after that, he fought, we have, we have the other guy that Jens fought after that from Boise. Phil Jones? No. Oh, UFC? No. Yeah, UFC. It was in the UFC. No, he fought. Um, God, what is it? his his sons train? Used to train with me here at my gym. Are you trying to look at look up Jens Pulver? Yeah, that's oh, he, he, he oh, fought that's Dave down. Velasquez. Then he no, no, no. fought John Lewis. No, no, it was after that. Uh, he was a fillin. Uh, what's his name? No, no, down, down, down. Like it's in the beginning. Old, old, old. Hill, <laughs> Phil Johns. Oh no, sorry, he didn't fight. John Lewis fought him. Um, oh, who John? Pull up John Lewis. He fought. God, it's right. It's bugging me now. It's right on the tip of my tongue. Lowell Anderson. Oh, Lowell. Yeah, Lowell. Lowell, Lowell, Lowell was the Lowell was one of the uh, guys when I first went to the Gracie Academy. Mm-hmm. He was there. Yeah. Yeah. He'd been he, there for uh, just a little boys, before me. Boys used to train with me at AK yeah. for kickboxing, and then they came over and started training here at my gym as well for jujitsu. Yeah. His older son. Um, yeah. Yeah. His older son is pretty good. Yeah. On strike force. Uh, well, not strike force, but in Bellator twice, I believe. Yeah. Lowell only had he had one fight in the UFC. It was against John Lewis, and he lost. Yeah. Good guy though. Great guy. Yeah. Good guy. Um, what else you got? Uh, last thing was just the Bellator card that's coming up this week. I know we're going to talk about it more in the mid- midweek show, but um, mm-hmm. if you guys want to touch on it at all before we wrap this up. Yeah, let's talk. Just, uh, we're talking about the, the main event. We're talking about Patricio Pitbull versus Emmanuel Sanchez. And and this card's good. I mean, oh. Khabib's cousin on there, Usman. You've got Tyrell Fortune. Um, you, Ty, uh, Usman's fighting uh, Mike Hamill. Good fight, man. It's going to be good. But, I mean, listen, if we're going to get into the Patricio fight, I'm going to continue to say it. To me, he's the best featherweight right now in the world. Now, don't get me wrong. We've mixed in and talked about this. You can, I feel like you can mix Volk, Max, Ortega, and him in that mix. And I'm going to put AJ McKee in there. So, there's your top five guys in the world right there. Okay. Right there. And I know Emmanuel Sanchez probably fits in there somewhere in there as well if we could because styles make matchups. But Patricio and Emmanuel Sanchez, to me, is a fun, fun fight. Now, after hearing the things that AJ has said, you know, AJ prefers to fight Emmanuel Sanchez, and there's only one reason why he says he prefers to fight Emmanuel Sanchez. I love his reason. Yeah, he wants. he's like, look, if I beat Emmanuel Sanchez for the title at featherweight, now I can go up and fight Patricio lightweight to take the title from him there. Be double-double. Like, now I can beat the best featherweight in the world or whoever if I want. For to win the Grand Prix title and then go up and beat the guy who beat the the guy who's now fighting for the UFC title at 155. So that kind of solidifies him in two weight classes in two fights. Smart. Yeah. We were having a conversation about AJ McKee before his last fight uh, with Darian Caldwell, and he just seemed the fight week. He seemed so much more focused. He seemed so much more mature. He knew who he was and how good he was excuse me, and he knew what he was going to get done. He went out there and performed perfectly, stayed calm, composed, executed his, executed his position. 
got the submission quick, got out of there, doesn't get paid by the minute, proved it. And now he's sitting back watching these two and he's undefeated. Zero damage. Yeah, zero damage. Be careful with that sign, okay? Because it's. Oh my God. <laughs> I know. <laughs> uh, I like to book fun, though. Um, but it's just, it's one of those, it's one of those things where he is so good. He's just going to be at the desk with me that night, calling, like basically talking about this fight. He, he's a problem for both of them. He's a problem for anybody. He's a problem for both of them. For any, yeah, for anybody. And people don't realize how damn big he is. <laughs> he's big. Like he's, he's, he's probably pushing six foot. He's 5'11. I'd say he's somewhere in there. AJ McKee. He's mm-hmm. probably 5'11, maybe six foot, but I say 5'11. He, but just shredded <laughs> at 145. Says 5'10. There's no way. He's a little bit taller than that. He's, he's a little bit. He's, he's my height. A, a full inch. <laughs> a full inch. Excuse me. Yeah. I mean, what do you got to say? Well, first off, before we even talk about AJ, we've got to go through the Emmanuel Sanchez versus Pitbull. And Come on, this is going to be a great fight. A Let's get off track. Come on. Why do we have to follow the guidelines? <laughs> we just talk about AJ. I just know that AJ is going to sit there with you, which means he ain't fighting. So let's talk about the people that are fighting because you, you don't look forward. I don't look, I don't look past. I don't look forward. I look at what's present and the, this matchup, we've already seen this fight once and it was a good fight. It was close. It was the fifth round was the determining round. And I think both guys have gotten better. I think uh, Pitbull at this time is the most confident fighter I've seen as far as knowing what he needs to do to win. I think he's going to have a little bit of a different game plan with Emmanuel this time than he had last time based upon that first fight. I, I know that Emmanuel is going to have a different game plan. So it's going to be who can implement that game plan and make it work. And this is going to be, you know, you're talking about what, 31 and four against 20 and four. You know, both these guys are fantastic. I mean, you can take a look at, you know, Sanchez's records, the, the guys that he's lost to. You know, he had a split decision loss to Weichel, came back, and he, you know, just beat him in the Grand Prix for that one to get that back. So he's got a loss to Pitbull in a championship fight. Uh, Pat Curran, who was the champion, he had a loss that was a decision loss to Pat Curran, uh, two rounds to one. And I mean, he's good. He's so he's, he's, he's matured so much as a fighter. He knows exactly who he is, what he needs to do. And you know, I, I don't get into nationality things a lot, but there's something about Hispanic fighters, guys from Mexico, especially that they just don't quit. And that's Emmanuel Sanchez. There is not one one little bit of quit in that guy. He is going to go after you the entire fight, and he does bring a pressure. Now, he, he can't get into the firefight, you know, with Pitbull as far as power, but he can definitely be the guy that, you know, is the matador because that's what his nickname is, and matadors Pitbull into a loss by being the smarter, more elusive fighter and touching and moving and just volume, just put on this volume that, overwhelms him 
know, he's got that ability. Yeah. I mean, if you're looking at his um, pitcher here, like on sure dog, like we are that baby fat you see around him. It's gone. Not, it's all gone. And that just to me shows that he's just matured as a fighter. Like when you see him now, he's leaner. You can tell that he's taking his training, his nutrition, a lot more serious. Uh, he just so happened that he got lucky that his uh, fiance or wife is a nutritionist. <laughs> so that's helped him out a lot. He looks physically, he looks phenomenal now. But I agree with you. The actual, um, the power obviously will go to Patricio. Yeah. We've seen that before in his in Patricio's past fights. But the placement of punches, the um, the pressure that he puts, Emmanuel Sanchez does all those things. He is somebody to be reckoned with. And it's he just got to be careful of putting so much pressure that he puts himself in a compromising position to be knocked out. That's it. I think if he does that. But, John, I'm going to throw this a little bit more, a, a next step further. If you watch any of the promo videos that Patricio's done, all he's doing is wrestling. Oh, I... I think that's going to be part of his game plan. I think that he's going to, why am I going to sit here and let him try to control a pace? Yeah. I'm going to control the pace. And the, and the easiest way for me to do it is I can put him on his back. And, and you know, Pitbull's ground game is solid. His wrestling has gotten so much better because of this guy named triple C who he trains with all the time. You know, you train with a, a a guy that's an Olympic gold medalist, you get better in your in your wrestling. And he has gotten so much better. His his jujitsu is really good. His wrestling has improved, you know, leaps and bounds so much better. So he's got that ability. I've he can put someone on their back. I've grappled with Patricio. It's like trying to move a still piece of fucking iron. Just it's crazy. A heavy, heavy piece of iron. Yeah, it's it's crazy to think that. I mean, you're not, there's no neck on him. His shoulders and his back, his grip strength is good. He's got a great sweep from the bottom. He's got his go-to sweeps that he likes to use. He gets on your head and your arm basically to help himself get back to his feet if he needs to, if he's on bottom. If he's on top, he's very good at controlling the position, controlling your hip and getting to your back. I mean, he's good. He's very good. Now, the wrestling, when I had trained with him, he wasn't as much of a wrestler, and we didn't do much on the feet either. But um, just to be honest, I would have probably never have shot on him anyways because he's so much shorter, you know? So it's like trying to get your level as low as his is not something I'm really interested in, you know? Not easy. Yeah, you're going to get stuck on bottom. I really believe that he's going to utilize the wrestling a lot more in this fight to try to slow Emmanuel down. And he's going to control that top position. He's going to take top. And he's going to probably whisper in Emmanuel's ear, you know, I got your back. I'm on top get up do something come on come on like i mean he's one of those guys he'll be talking to you when he's fighting you <clears throat> letting you know that he's he's beating you and you're losing seconds and minutes are ticking away and you're losing this fight but if you are emmanuel and he does end up taking you down and there's daniel vanderley has done an outstanding job in getting emmanuel to where he was at with his jujitsu game and his jujitsu game is solid and he's got good submissions now he's with lovato jr and you know that there's certain things about Lovato, the way he does, you know, his jujitsu and how strong he is in certain areas. And his sweep game is just amazing. I'm not saying it's going to transfer right over to a man, but when you start learning these things and you just start incorporating these extra little things into your game, 
Emmanuel's not going to just lay on his back. He's not going to just guard him up. He's going to be, if he gets put on his back, he's going to go after him. And he's going to try to make Pitbull defend instead of him having to defend against Pitbull and his strikes. Well, there's a difference. Uh, Vanderlei was very much like an attack from your back submission guy. Okay. Mm -hmm. Bars, quick arm bars, Kimura's triangle game, elevate your hips, get aggressive with the attacks when they didn't work out, potentially use those to get back to your feet. Good point. Lovato jr. Is not that which here in that's a great, that's a great way. I mean, Anthony Pettis won a world title doing that very aggressive arm bar on uh, Benson Henderson wins, wins the world title because of that. Emmanuel Sanchez, very aggressive attacks, those type of things. He ended up using that against uh, Taiwan Claxton with the triangle, gets the win. And he's had several finishes with triangles. The, the thing is, though, against someone like Patricio, that shit ain't working. You're not triangling that fuck, those traps and that neck and everything else. Okay, and arm barring him, uh, Pitbull is so damn strong, he's going to curl you, just bring you right back to here and be like, okay, I got the defense. Those type of things, I think that would have worked against him. Him training now with Lovato Jr., completely different game. He's going to probably work to his half-guard position, hit the sweeps from there. He's got a couple other good uh, sweeps from, from guard as well. He'll probably try to work that pendulum sweep, can't get the pendulum sweep, maybe go into half-guard. That half-guard Lucas Leitch style like uh, sweep yep. a lot with Damian Maya. That's going to be that's going to be very telling on how, how – um, Emmanuel Sanchez is using his sweeps to get back to his feet to put pressure on Patricio. Yep. That's going to be key in this fight, man. If Patric if Emmanuel Sanchez is able to get out from underneath um, Patricio Pitbull, it's going to be a harder fight for Patricio Pitbull. If he can hold him down there, control him in that position, it's going to be a better night for him. It really comes down to who can implement their game plan. We know that already. That's for every <laughs> fighter in every fight. It's sure. who can implement their game plan. But I think it really does come down to Patricio not expending too much energy trying to hold him down, but also not getting frustrated when he can't and then end up getting back to the feet. And Emmanuel, as soon as he gets back to the feet, knowing that I just got up from my feet from the bottom, he's going to try to push that pace. And Patricio being like, you know what? Hard one, two, set you back, make you make you respect me again. And that's going to be the telltale situation. If he can get Emmanuel Sanchez to respect him in those situations, as soon as he gets back to his feet, no, you need to respect me. Because if you don't, he's going to be in a lot of trouble. I agree with you. I can't wait for the fight because they match up really well. They're different in the way they go about things. But both of them are just tough as nails. So it's going to be fun. They're, fun. they're both fun fighters to watch. One's nope. got the power edge. One's got the pressure and the cardio edge. I would give the grappling edge to uh, Patricio, but just strictly off of the fact that he's a lot more controlling, he's physically stronger, um, but the attacks can still be done by Emmanuel Sanchez. The yep. overall fight should be a fucking barn burner, though. Can't should, be. should be. Should <clears throat> be. The winner of this fights for the featherweight world Grand Prix title against AJ McKee. Well, the winner of this is the featherweight champion of Bellator because titles well. on the titles on the line. You got Pitbull in there. Titles there. Um, you got anything else for us there? Podcast, Dave? Nope, that's your news. That's, that's your news. news. Ladies and gentlemen, go to ProWrestlingTees.com slash Wayne in and use the promo code 100K. We're trying to get to 100K. We were trying to get there before April 1st. That didn't work. It's not April. Why? It's, it's not April 1st. 
Yeah, I know. We got some time. But you guys hit that <laughs> thumbs up. Hit that little bell on the bottom right corner. And um, that lets you know when our show drops because we've been dropping our shows uh, here and there every once in a while. But it's mainly on Wednesday early in the morning. But we've been playing with the times for the algorithm because we um, are working with a new company. who I said, let's, let's just make some adjustments to get the numbers up. So we've been uh, working with them and they actually have been going up, which is kind of nice for those midweek shows. So hopefully you guys uh, check out our ProWrestlingTees.com shirts, all of them that are there. And John, what else? The, you en- the entire collection. <clears throat> Just want yeah. to tell everyone, thank you very much for listening. For all those people out there, all the fighters that uh, fought tonight, good job, all of you. If you won, congratulations. If you lost, it's no big deal. Just come back and do it again. It's going to get better. And for everyone else out there, we will see you.